Anybody else need a vacation from the vacation, or is it just me? Am I the, I'm the only one up here? All right, for, for, uh, for, I don't want to jump into cliches, but I do have a question for you. I would love to know, uh, as you stepped into the new year and you're kind of getting into the rhythm of things, how many people have, uh, have started a New Year's resolution already? Anybody? Show of hands. That's about the same. Like, New Year's resolutions are dying. Have you noticed this? At Legacy, I asked that question. There's like three or four hands that went in the air. So leave your hand in the air if that's you. Be proud. Don't, and, and, and if you've kept your resolution, then keep your hand up. Same exact, they're the exact same number at Legacy. Two people. Good night. We're getting wiser as the years goes on. Just forget the resolutions, right? Um, this morning, I want to talk uh, about a different concept for the new year. Though a different kind of, you might say, resolution for you, which is a good thing we don't have one. So I'll, I'll hand one to you. And I want to introduce this new series, this new message series that we've come up with called Living by Faith. And here's where this idea came from. Um, last year in this very pulpit, I shared with you about an epidemic of faithlessness in our nation. Those who claim the Christian faith, I shared, are becoming the minority in this country. In fact, this is the specific statistic that I shared with you. Um, just 30 years ago, 90% of those polled by the U.S. Census claimed to have a Christian faith. Now, we don't know their hearts, but 90% 30 years ago said that they believed in Jesus Christ. Today, the exact same poll came in, and is, that number is now just under 64%. 30 years, 30-point 30 drop in those who say they believe and are following Jesus Christ. They call this the rise of the nuns, those who check the nun box under religious affiliation on the survey. Look at this quote from Pew Research. They say, people who identify as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular could become America's largest religious group, or I guess we should say non-religious group within our lifetime. And I hope you'll join me in praying against that. And we know as we look throughout the history of God's people that uh, God brings revivals in the midst of such challenges and hardships. But in the meantime, here's my thought. If that's the trend line, then we should probably spend some time as the church talking about what it is to live a life of faith in that faithless context, shouldn't we? You know, as followers of Jesus, it's probably time for us to take a step back and to, to consider what does it mean to stand firm when the culture around you no longer shares your viewpoints or your convictions or your faith? What I thought I'd do is I want to spend the next few months talking with you about how, how, do, how we can cling to our convictions in a storm where faith itself is now seen as suspect. Because I remind you, God calls you to live by faith in your marriages, in our parenting, in our schoolwork, in our finances. Our faith should drive everything we do, right? Every aspect of our lives. And yet we live in a day and age where to do that means to move against the current, maybe like never before. But here's the good news. There was a book written in the New Testament where the church was facing this exact same challenge. In fact, it was far worse. So this author pens this letter in, in order to encourage God's people to intentionally walk by faith again. And here's where I'm half crazy. Um, we're going to spend the next 12 weeks looking at just one chapter of that letter. It is the book of Hebrews. It was written to a Jewish Christian audience. And the chapter that I want us to turn to is Hebrews chapter 11. Because this is the chapter of faith 
in God's word. Like no other place in all of scripture, this chapter goes into detail, not only defining what faith is, but also helping us, you and I, to understand how faith operates then in the life of a believer. And by the time we're done, we're going to look all the way through 12 different people and their lives that this author highlights who choose to intentionally live out the faith that God has given them. And I'm going to need your extra grace this morning. In order for you to understand where I'm going with this, we're going to read the entire chapter, Hebrews 11. And after that, we'll just piecemeal it each Sunday at a time. This morning, we're going to go over the first three verses. But hang with me. I want you to see this if you haven't before, how this author does this. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Let's listen to God's word now. Buckle up. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. 
By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. What more shall I say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, uh, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, mocking, suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves and the rest of the earth. And these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let me invite you just to close your eyes and hear this last part. This is how we'll end the series. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. Woof. All right, take a deep breath with me. We're just gonna look at the first three verses of that chapter. Let's just think about this word faith for a minute. If I had to pick one image so far in 2023 that begins to, I think, at least depict what operative faith looks like, I would have to choose this one. Look at this. Maybe. Wait for it. Do we have the picture? Praise the Lord. You've seen that pic, by the way, right? Has everybody seen that pic this week? If you haven't, let me catch you up to give you a, an example of what's going on here. DeMar Hamlin, safety for the Buffalo Bills, makes a, a routine tackle, stands up in this game last Monday, and falls over from cardiac arrest mid-game. If you watched it, it was quite traumatic in every sense of the word. Medical team is doing their CPR right there before thousands. They raced him off by an ambulance, canceled the game. And this group of players and coaches spontaneously gathered up to do the only thing they could do, which was pray. Later that evening, live on ESPN, one of the sports analysis uh, analysts did the exact same thing. Dan Orlovsky stopped mid-sentence. He said, I don't know if this is right or not. He said, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Prayed before millions on national TV. And you watch this unfold and it, it should cause you to ask, like, what, what does this tell us about faith? It's interesting, right, to compare that moment with the statistic that tells us that faith nationwide is dwindling. An entire stadium watching the fragility of life unfold right before them. And what do people start doing on Twitter, on TV, and in person? They begin praying almost instinctively. Hear this. I'm going somewhere with this. It's evidence that points us to something. There's no way to know that the collective heart 
or who it is that these people are praying for, but it's at least an opportunity, I think, for us to ask what faith really is. Just stop and ruminate on this with me. What is faith? If one of your friends who had checked that box of none on their survey came to you and said, tell me more about what it is that you believe. What, what do you mean by that word faith? What would you tell them? See, it seems to me by reading a few commentaries on this word faith, there's really two, two kinds of, uh, of faith that we live by. The first faith I'll call carnal faith or secular faith. Everyone wakes up, doesn't matter who you are, and you have to put your trust in something or someone, right? Even atheists who claim to have no faith at all, they, they live by some kind of faith claim. Just consider the dozens of faith decisions it took you to get to church this morning. I had faith that my shower would have running hot water, and it did, praise the Lord. I had faith that the, my toothpaste was certified safe by some FDA board I've never met before. I had faith that my garage door would open by some source of power I've never seen. I had faith that when I got here, you would be here too. You know, we all live by this kind of faith, right? And yet, the problem with this faith is that at some point or another, this faith is fickle. It is guaranteed to fail you because it places its hope in flawed people and broken things. But on the flip side, there's this other faith. The author of Hebrew wants us to understand this, this faith is a certain faith. It is a surety of faith as we just saw. In fact, scholars have called this an operative faith because this faith is something that does something. It does something eternal for us by God's grace. It is a faith that separates those who believe in the gospel with those who don't believe. And unlike all other faith claims on earth, this faith, the reason we say it does something is that it saves and our lesson offers us a solid definition of this faith. It says, first, this faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Someone asks you to give an account of the hope that is in you. Here's how you could begin to define your faith. It is assurance and it is conviction. And this faith, right, that, that we've been promised, it offers us something eternally significant. Unlike secular or carnal faith, this is not some optimism that maybe life will get better this year or that maybe I'll make that bonus or maybe I'll finally hit the gym and live into that resolution. But look at this in verse two. Our lesson tells us, by this faith, the people of old received their commendation. That is, by this God-given belief, those who went before us, by their faith, received salvation. That's what the author wants to show. Let's just spend a few minutes unloading that. Why should we care? I remember I served as a volunteer chaplain in the emergency room and the intensive care unit back in seminary. And about halfway through, I had seen more death and suffering in one week than I had my entire lifetime. And I said to the chaplain in this weak moment, I said, I don't get it. I said, I said, why are some people healed and some not? I was honestly struggling with God's sovereignty and his goodness. Why are some prayers answered and some not? And I remember the chaplain replied to me, he said, Ryan, just open the Bible and flip through all the pages. Anybody in that scriptures, anybody, any of those characters still alive today? He said, the hard fact of life is that all of us will faith, face death. None of them are still here. So what does it look like to have that kind of eternal lens as we walk through this life? That's what faith is. To live by an assurance and a conviction 
of our salvation in Christ. So let's just start with that word assurance. What is assurance? Our lesson says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There were once three little pigs. You may have forgotten the story, so I'll remind you. The first little pig built his house from straw. The second little pig built his house from sticks. And the third little pig built his house from brick. But you'll remember, soon the wolf came and blew the house down, right? And you know what happened next. The, the first pig, his straw was exposed. The second pig, his sticks made him embarrassed. But the third pig had built his house on a foundation that was secure, right? Now just keep the childhood word picture in mind. If you were to take the original Greek word for the word assurance in our passage, which is hypostasis, and you were to directly translate that from the Greek into the English, it actually translates as foundation, that which we build our lives upon. Faith is the unquestionable structure by which we plant our feet and live our days. It is the foundation that has secured, not, not by wishful thinking or optimism or positive vibes, faith is a lifestyle that lives by the certain promise of God's word. It is a belief that says what God says is true, and therefore how I live my life is going to be determined by the promises of his word. I love this story. It's not mine. I borrowed it. It's a story of a humble Christian who was once brought on trial for his faith in Christ, and that the king asked him, he said, do you really think that the likes of you We'll go to God and his glory if we kill you today. Do you really think that you'll be saved from this, this calamity that you found yourself in? And the young man replied, he said, I don't think, I know. One scholar put it like this. He said, faith is the solid conviction resting on God's word that makes the future present and the invisible seen. Now, I don't know about you, but I came across that quote and I decided that's my quote for 2023. You can write it down. You can take a picture with your phone right now. That should be your quote for 2023. It certainly is mine. Faith is the solid conviction resting on God's word that makes the future present and the invisible seen. It's not some pie in the sky expectation. It is a certain reality of future hope that we realize right now. I was with the girls on my way home from our trip to Colorado uh, last week. It was a snowstorm on Soldier Summit. Jen had flown over the mountain to see her mom. And uh, so I was with the girls alone. And my youngest in the back of the car gets sick. And I'm throwing trash bags at her, right? Trying to hope that she'll hit the bag. And finally, I'm pulling off and it's dumping snow. And I'm in a bit of a panic. And I'm getting out wipes and ready to clean up the mess. And I kid you not, Addie just looks right at me. Not a tear in her eyes. And she said, Dad, it's okay. She said, God's still with us. And I thought, you would tell me that at a moment like this. <laughs> Faith is the foundation. It's the assurance of things hoped for by which we build our lives. Just ask yourself right now, as you look to 2023, what is it in you that produces anxiety or doubt or fear in you? Now just note this with me. Operative faith, biblical faith, is not wishful thinking about those challenges, right? It's not a mere desire for a happy outcome or an optimism that things might turn out okay. Faith is a present certainty that no matter what happens, in the end, it will all be for my good. 
Because one day is coming where I will see him face to face in the glory of my salvation. His word has promised me that. The future I can see as present, the invisible I can see with my faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That come what may, nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you grasp that kind of faith and you choose to live by that kind of faith, that changes everything about the way you live. Reminds me of a story in 2 Kings 6, verse 16 to 17. You might remember the, the Syrian army had surrounded God's people in this battle. This, this tyrant king had decided he wanted to do away not only with Israel, but with uh, God's prophet Elisha. And as the sun came up, things were looking grim. They were clearly outnumbered. They were outgunned. And this fear had suddenly ruled the day. And this servant of Elisha wakes up in this panic. He's like, what are we going to do? Look at how Elisha responds. He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. I love how one scholar put this. He said, just as eyesight produces conviction or evidence of visible things, so faith is the organ that enables us to see the invisible things. Really just ask this. We've got a new year, a new start. From what place are you living your life? What is your foundation? Is it straw? Is it sticks? Or is it bricks? Because when we choose to live by some other kind of faith, by some carnal faith, we are destined for failure. You put your faith in flawed people, they will at some point let you down. You put your faith in, in finances, just wait for the next rate hike. Inflation will give us that answer. You put your faith in tomorrow, there is no guarantee you're gonna wake up. See, and that brings me to the, the next part of this definition, the second part. That is that a life of faith is not just an assurance by which we plant our faith. Hebrews tells us faith is also the conviction of things we don't see. In the King James Version, it says it like this. It says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Admiral Jim Stockdale was the highest ranking officer in the Hanoi Hilton War Camp in the Vietnam War. And he was once asked about the difference between the soldiers who made it out of that camp and those who didn't. And in the interview, it was actually done by Jim Collins. Stockdale said, as sad as it was, he said, there was a very stark difference. He said, it was the optimists who didn't make it. Now think about that. That struck Jim Collins as odd. So he followed up. He said, what do you mean? He said, the, the optimists didn't make it. I, I would think the optimists would be the ones who had the fortitude to carry on. He said, the optimists were the ones who said, we're gonna be out by Christmas, right? And then Christmas came and Christmas went and then they would say, well, we'll be out by Easter. And then Easter came and Easter went and then they thought, well, maybe Thanksgiving and then it was Christmas again. And he said, eventually the optimist died of a broken heart. See, the challenge is not that they were optimistic. It was what they put their optimism in. Carnal faith or eternal faith. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. All things work together for those who love him. So we can put our trust in the comings and goings of our day to day, or, or we can live by faith in something far more permanent and significant. 
I'll say this again. Faith is not circumstantial optimism. It is not wishful thinking. It is not, it is not an optimism that says, I hope tomorrow gets better. Faith is a certain and present reality that even if it doesn't, we are rooted in the eternal promises of God. Just ask this. When you see faith at work, how is it the evidence or the conviction of things not seen? Again, the Greek word for this, this, this idea of conviction, it refers to a, a proof or a verification of something, right? Like in a court hearing, you would present evidence, and by that evidence, you would gain conviction. Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence that brings conviction of the things we don't see. So here's a question worth ruminating on. What is it that you see? You know, maybe the holidays were tougher than you thought, and you... You've got some in-law conflict that still needs to be cleaned up and spilled over. What do you see? Do you see the struggle between you and the other party? Or do you see that maybe God's in the midst working on you too, calling you to be faithful still? Or maybe this year when we hit turbulence, and it's not an if, it's a when, will you see the battle is yours alone or will you see that the battle belongs to the Lord? When you face trials or temptations, will you choose to see them as an annoyance, something to be avoided? Or will you rejoice in them, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance hope? If faith is the assurance of things hoped for, if faith is the conviction, the, the evidence of things not seen, that means not only does our faith help us to see even the most difficult of times, it's also that which becomes a witness for those who can't see. Look again at this image. You have to wonder how many people in seeing that, in seeing that moment, saw evidence, conviction of things unseen as faith came to life. The book of Habakkuk tells us the righteous will live by faith. Let's ask God to help us do that this week. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your promise that even when we struggle in faith, you are faithful still. God, that even in our stirring and our doubts and our wandering, it is you who has kept the faith in us by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray again, Lord, would you just increase the faith in us? God, we ask that you would help us to live our days by faith. God, that you would help us to see the future present, that you would help us to see the unseen seen, not by our eyes, Lord, but by the organ of our faith. God, would you show us what that looks like this week? In Jesus' name, all God's people said.